0: The sleeper in the bust. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open, file, a case shut. A short, stop, or stop short. Press play or press board. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what troop is. Mike no Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? who's missing? The sleeper in the bust. The sleeper in the bust.
1: Hello out there in Fantasyland and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer and I'm joined today for a very special episode of the show. Fangraph's injury guru Jeff Zimmerman joins me today replacing Eno Saras, who is too busy to join in on the fun and today we'll be discussing what else? Injuries and also some stuff from Jeff's website BaseballHeatMaps.com and I have to admit Jeff I look forward to the MASH report every single week, and I believe there is going to be one coming out today, right? Yes.
0: Here, um, I've actually got it scheduled, so it should be out within minutes.
1: Oh, exciting. Maybe we'll have a breaking news segment about it. (laughs) We'll see. So, uh, last couple of months, you actually introduced two metrics to try to identify players that are injured and still playing. And the first one that I want to discuss is the hurt metric for hitters. So, why don't you share with us exactly how you went about developing it? The, um, I was looking for some way
0: without looking through articles to find players that were hurt and that were kind of playing through it and they were kind of had the hidden injuries and the, um, One thing that I had found out from previous um, years, looking back at these players that had played through injuries, that their power decreased. Anyone that's been around the DL, the one aspect that falls off the most is their power. And then looking a little further into some of the data, I found out that contact was another um, aspect of it. So they're having problems making contact, and they're also... um, not having as much power. And the, as actually a third metric is speed. Like they're just not able to run as fast, not getting the stolen bases. They're just not available. So I incorporated the three metrics and looked at players that I knew were playing through injuries, such as um, Albert Pohlholz. Matt Kemp was initially one that was trying to deal with it early in the season. And I was just trying to get these players that looked hurt or that we're playing through injuries and just getting the metric to line up, and with hurt it actually worked out really well. Um, they it picks them out. There's some that are interesting that don't that aren't reported, but then later on
1: show up. Yeah, that's basically a win for the metric when you come back to point out. Hey, we hadn't heard anything, but look at that—he was number three on my hurt metric. And sure enough, now the news is is that he's been playing through some shoulder soreness, and he has to go on the DL like a Nick Swisher or, or something that we know has been pa- playing hurt earlier in the season. I, he's not currently on, but that's an example of a type of situation where the the metric really uh, would come into play. Yeah, the one that that keeps showing that showed up with me was. Um...
0: Sorry about that. Someone else <laughs> calling me. was eye um, radio, folks. Was um, Seth Smith recently. And he had a eye problem that had just shown up that they were looking into to try to correct. So he's been showing up all year, having issues. He had a good amount of data previously that we could look at. Like, this is what his power is. It's way down. He's not making contact as much. And then it was like, oh, he's not seeing the ball. It was like, almost as bad as being hurt, but it was, you know, he was getting the same effects.
1: Were there any metrics that you thought might be a factor that you tested out and you you figured out that, all right, this really doesn't have anything to do with a, a hurt player? Anything that you tried out that just didn't work and then you kind of scrapped? Infield fly ball
0: percentage was one. A lot of people said that they – it was things that had been brought up and it just didn't seem to, um, just didn't make sense with sometimes. It was like, it was getting players that everything else was perfect and it just wasn't enough. It was like making players hurt with these extreme percentages. And and that was kind of one of the other deals was is just a few fly balls um, just really brought it out of whack. So I had to remove it there's one that I may add and it's a little bit difficult as I've also looked at like a slowing metric. Like do the players have problems catching up with fastballs? You always hear this. So I was kind of trying to get a metric that looked at it and I may incorporate that in the off season. There's a little bit of um, coding and that I'll have to work on because I'm using two different databases with it. So I think that's one of my off season projects is to
1: have it, um, Combined. So you actually had that leaderboard previously, the slow leaderboard, and it, it looks like it's disappeared. That's what you're referring to, right? Right. And some weeks it's available, some weeks it's
0: whenever I run the numbers and I don't have it automated, so it's a little bit difficult to look
1: at. So that's where it kind of stands. Gotcha. So I'm just looking at the leaderboard right now. And uh, I remember that BJ Upton was basically toward the top of the list all season long. I don't see him even listed here. Is that just because you were only looking at the August, or did he drop out based on the whole season? Uh, why is his name not there anymore? Um, on the sl- on the w- slow leaderboard? No, on the on the hurt leaderboard from last week, the last one that had been published. Any idea off the top of your head? Um, I don't know. The one
0: I'm running right now in the within the hour has him at, at the top. I don't know if I ran a um different um variables to um sometimes I look at the plate appearances, we'll change around to trying to look at players. I think it's if he has a full season, I think he spent too much time on the DL from last week. Yeah it's possible. Um and that's one of the deals too is like if I put out the full list Of players, you kind of have to sort out how you want it. Like sometimes I'll only look at the younger players because older players will sort of age and their power will decline, and it looks like a list of just older players. So I'll run it that way. But then also, it's kind of like looking at the plate appearances over different times. Does the player have a lot of previous data that we can go off of, or just a little bit?
1: So I kind of just do a sorting that way. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to incorporate aging effects and maybe a projection and how the player is performing compared to the projection because I find it very difficult to separate poor performance due to being hurt versus just being bad and I mean you, you hit it with the, the whole older players a lot of it it might show up as it seems like oh maybe they're playing hurt but really they're just declining maybe declining more rapidly than expected just because of aging effects and I, and I think that's probably hard for you to separate just from a metric that's completely computer-based. And, yes, one thing I initially had used, which
0: I found out was a problem, was projections. Is just get the player's projection, go with that. Well, not everyone's included with it. Not everyone's available. And it makes things a little bit difficult. And some of the data I use is contact percentage. There is no projection for it. There is, It just, no one has
1: a, contact projection or contact percentage projection. Right. There's a strikeout percentage, but there's not that underlying plate discipline contact percentage.
0: Right. So that's initially had the ISO and looking at other metrics like, oh, I can do this with other stuff. Instead, I had to create pretty much my own um, Marcel as I create one each time for each player, each time I run it from the previous seasons and then go off of it. So it's, one of those more difficult things where there isn't a previous one and i could probably do it better with iso with it and then not use the other ones so it's kind of a fine line it's like i had to create my own projection just to look at the data
1: right so you mentioned possibly in the off season incorporating the slow bat ratings into this aside from that are you pretty satisfied with the metric or are you still working to improve it and if so are there any other improvements that you'd like to make the one improvement I have on my to do
0: list is to make it in season like comparing parts i I'm comparing the two thousand thirteen season to previous data right now with the hurt metric i need I need to write up the code so I can compare the last three months or the last two months of the season to their previous data this is one thing I would like to do just to show some kind of in-season decline. I noticed it worked really good at the beginning of the season, picking up players, but then it just continues to pick up these same players as the season goes on and doesn't look for
1: players that may have been hurt, got hurt over the last couple months. The player that surprised me the most, again, in looking at last week's latest MASH report, Chris Johnson, who I believe is still leading the National League in batting average, he ranks second in hurt. Uh, I think that would shock everybody. Do do you know offhand what in his statistical profile is causing him to rank that highly? I um, looked at him, actually,
0: in my upcoming report, and his power is down. Like He went from more of a fly ball hitter to line drive and ground ball, which he'll get a better batting average, but is... ISO's down about 20 or 30 points compared to previous seasons. It's. Um, I was trying to read up and trying to read anywhere where he's changed his approach. Um, Torrey Hunter went from more of a – at one time he went from a power to more of a line drive ground battle hitter. And someone like Marlon Bird changed from the opposite. Started going more for home runs, started going for that. So I was trying to see if he's actually changed, but it hasn't stated it. His speed is – his speed score is down to nothing right now. I think it's like at Paul Canerica level. Yeah,
1: one. Last year was 4.4. 4, and you never obviously thought of Chris Johnson as a, a speed demon, but one is like a plotting catcher, like a Jose Molina.
0: Right. And, um, and his contact's a little bit down. It was just kind of the combinations, I think, of all three of them point to him being hurt. And I, I, I dug, and I just can't find anything on it. He had a recent stub toe. <laughs> that it was, I mean, within the last couple days. He missed a, a game or two because of it, but nothing, it looks like lingering. It'll be kind of interesting to see what happens at the end of the season if something's mentioned because, I mean, even if he's hurt a little bit, he's still going to probably play through and probably still be better off, you know, having a little bit of a limp. That's why I'm kind of wondering if it's something with his legs because he's not got. He's not getting not the speed, um, not getting the extra doubles, the extra base hits, that he's able to get a hit, get on base, but then
1: um, not do anything more than that. Yeah, it would be pretty crazy if he's performed this way, not being a hundred percent. Then he can tell everybody, Hey, I wasn't o a hundred percent, and I still bab to over four hundred. If I was healthy, I would have set a new Babip record of five thirty. And, and Miguel Cabrera is a perfect example of someone that his hurt production is better than everybody else. Everyone's healthy you know, production. Yeah, I think we've established that Miguel Cabrera is not a human being this year. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Alright, let's talk about your pain metric and of course I love the fact that the hitters are called Hurt and the pitchers are called Pain and you didn't have to go that far to come up with what that acronym stood for. It wasn't totally crazy so I applaud you, I I know you asked for some suggestions in the comments when you were first coming up with the name And, and so good job on that. But let's talk about the pain metric for pitchers and talk about what the components there that go into that metric and how you develop that and all that stuff. Um this one was
0: actually a lot simpler. For me when it was kind of getting it together, the one thing I looked at was velocity. Is our velocity down? Some sign of pain or some of an injury. And then the other one was zone percentage, which is the more I've looked into it, any pitcher that seems to be hurt that ends up getting hurt just can't throw strikes. They have problems throwing to the strike zone. They have more balls. Their stats may not show it as much. They're probably running up more like three, two counts. It's like, Oh, you know, they wanted one, you know, across the strikes and they didn't on their first pitch. So they're down, but then they're able to get it across. It just seems like they struggle with the strike zone a lot. And, um, I Billy Bean actually mentioned it, um, over a year ago in an article and the more I've looked at it, it's a really good metric find with these pitchers and, um, the other, like I said, there's a couple other small ones is I don't like pitchers that throw really hard. They seem to get hurt. So there's a little bit, if they throw over 95 miles an hour, I kind of deduct them a little bit. And then also if they take a little bit longer on the mound, it, um, there's some correlation that it's like, Oh, I'm hurt. It's going to take me a couple more seconds each pitch to get my strength back and throw. Like I said, those two probably take up a 10th of the value. And the main part is the
1: zone and the loss of speed. Yeah, the pace is something that actually was interesting to me because I've read in the comments to some of my articles that so-and-so pitcher, his pace is up, so maybe that's a sign of injury. And, you know, back then, before you came out with the metric, I'm like, how can pace have anything to do with a pitcher's performance in injury just because he's taking longer between pitches? Has that ever been studied? But I guess you have seen some of a correlation. I I assume you're comparing pace of that pitcher to his previous pace, right? And if it increases, that's a bad sign. Right. And everything, the only metric with pain and hurt
0: that I don't compare to previous values is their current zone percentage. Um, Everything else is a comparison. So the other thing is I'll look at a pitcher um, 47% is kind of the cutoff. If they're less than that, they seem to be hurt more often. If it's higher than th- that, they don't seem to be. But if a pitcher is throwing at like 44% one year and 44% the next year, I'll still see them as being possibly hurt in this current season because they're just not
1: able to throw strikes. Right. Um, and I remember Francisco Liriano's name had been uh, toward the top of the list previously. He's no longer there. And he was a guy who it was pretty obvious why – I mean he's always had a low zone percentage throughout his career. So I don't know if you made some adjustments or, or what. But he's an example of a guy who generally throughout his career we know that he has had trouble throwing balls inside the strike zone. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's hurt. He just doesn't have good control. Right. And that's with paying, um it's probably one of the things I'll look
0: at adding is their actual like chase rate. Like it's one of the things I've noticed is some of the pitchers with a lot of breaking balls out of the zone. um, If the batters are actually chasing those pitches, they seem to be look, they seem on the metric to be hurt more. So it's, that's something I may add into the future is kind of look at um, giving them a little bit of credit for getting, if people are chasing all your pitches out of the strike zone, there's really no reason to throw to it.
1: Right. And and yeah, uh, Liriano's an example of a guy who's going to have a high outside swing percentage. And there are other pitchers that I can't think of off the top of my head that they're consciously making the decision not to throw as many strikes. Now, Liriano's case, I don't think it's necessarily a conscious decision. He just doesn't have good control. He never really has. So I think it's a little of both. Of His stuff is good enough that he doesn't have to always throw it in the zone, but he also can't necessarily do it just because his control isn't that great.
0: Right. And, um, and he also been hurt quite a bit too. I mean, it's, that's one thing I've noticed with this is it seems to be a little bit slower than the hitters. And sometimes the pitchers will take a while before the injuries start, um, showing up. And, um, it's, it's, this one has been a little bit more, um, tinkering with, to try to get everything to kind of, um, work the work perfectly. And like, um, just pictures just seem to be a little bit more finicky.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else on your list that you want to work on aside from comparing zone percentage to previous values uh, on the off season? The one thing that I just added, um,
0: which was a big one for me is looking at in season values is, that pitchers seem to, like, when they fall off, it's rather quickly. It's not, like, over the whole course of the season they're getting hurt. It's usually within, like, four or five games. You, you'll you go back, and it's like... I was noticing that it was like, oh, this pitcher got hurt, and the hurt metric wasn't picking them up, or the pain metric wasn't picking them up because they were healthy for, you know, 15 starts, and it was just like these last four was when their velocity was dropping, their zone percentage was dropping and everything. So I went back and have done the numbers for this where I can look in season and try to find these pitchers. Um, Martolo Colon was one that was just perfectly healthy throwing the strike zone. And right before he went on this DL this last time, his velocity just dropped like a rock and he couldn't throw a
1: strike. Yeah, that would actually be extremely useful, uh, but it might end up picking up false positives. And I'll give an example because James Shields went through a rough patch of four or five games or so that I was panicking because I was watching every start. His walks were up. It was clear that he was throwing fewer strikes than he has. His control was just off. And this happened like four starts in a row. And I was all set to try trading him because his ERA was still pretty good. But that control was off and it made me think that maybe he's injured. And your metric could have potentially picked it up. Fortunately for me, I was not able to trade him. And he's completely turned it around since. So it looked like it was just a bad stretch. But that's also the problem is that if you do incorporate this, it might end up coming up with some false positives. And what it comes down to is the fact that no metric – I mean we're dealing with human beings. And no matter how great you can get the metric, it's still going to be wrong some part of the time. Of course, that doesn't offset how helpful the metric could be. I mean it could be a great, great benefit. But there's no way to ever get it 100%.
0: Oh, not even close. And that, and I was just, and that's the main thing is I was trying to, I'm sure it'll evolve over time. And, um, it's nice to look at some pictures and just be like, is this what we want to look at or is what we see, what the picture's doing. And, um, can we, uh, I guess, more look into the future to see if they're actually declining in their ability or just kind of keep an eye on it on him
1: also? Yeah, I mean, the good news with Shields is that his velocity didn't seem to be down. So I don't know what he was going through, but whatever it was, he seems to be fine now. Let's talk about some more specific players and move on to Roy Halladay. Uh, we've talked about him a couple of times on – the podcast when I was with Eno and now he's back. He's at two starts so far. Do you think he's ever going to be the same pitcher again or is he basically done as an effective pitcher and, and next year maybe only going to be useful in an NL-only league? He's rough right now. His last <laughs> two starts. I, I love that deep breath. and the. I, I can imagine you shaking your head being like, oh, man. <laughs> well, I think the problem
0: with him was – is early before the season began everyone noticed his velocity was down quite a bit it was like man he just not throwing hard and he was having problems and his language what he was saying was i'm not hurt i'm feeling fine everything's great i'm same i'm still the same pitcher i'm just going to go out there and everyone's like well you're not and i just don't know if he knows he's not the same pitcher that he's not able to go and throw the same way. I mean, from 2011 to right now, he's lost about five miles per hour. He can't throw a strike. I think he's given up over two home runs per nine innings this season. It's just not a good pitcher, and I think he could be if he figures out that the pitcher he needs to become. Like I said, he's just lost so much ability right now that it may take him a while to figure out what he needs to do to become effective.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is that he used to be an extreme ground ball pitcher, getting ground balls 50 to 60% of the time, and that's completely disappeared. And you have to assume that some of it is because his control has just completely left him, and so he just can't throw the ball down in the zone like he used to. Maybe his movement of of a, a sinker, maybe that's gone. So, I mean, there's basically nothing going right at this point, and you have to assume unless something returns, and at his age you can't expect that to happen, then he's done as a useful pitcher.
0: Yeah, I would like to see like four good starts out of him five before I would even consider picking him up, and I, like I said it's going to... It'll be into next year. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure some people will take more of a chance than I would on him. I would just stay away. He may be, you know, a one-dollar player. I would take a chance on, and you know, in a regular league, he may be more valuable in a nano league, just because you're going to have to have, um, take some chances to fill out a roster. But he's, like I said, in any kind of shallow league, just not even rosterable anytime
1: soon all right perhaps the most frustrating pitcher that again we've also complained about and talked about is brett anderson what is his deal does he simply have brittle muscles and bones that you have to put him in like suited armor when he pitches
0: <laughs> maybe a start his he's has been effective whenever he can get on the mound he can't ever get on the mound soon as he pitches one game he gets hurt again i i just give up on him people keep talking about him and he's one of those ones that's burnt me so much that i just moved past him and the worst thing this last season is um i had just moved past chris davis was one that just kept burning me for season after season (laughs) and it's like well i finally got burnt this season not taken him but it's just one of those ones where it's like all right at some point i've just got to say no to this player and just move on because i i fall in love with what he does his ground pile percentage is great he doesn't walked a little bit more this season but he used to never walk anybody and but he just can't be on the field it's just not a useful player and maybe his role as reliever will be better now that when he since he's moved to the bullpen
1: yeah, I mean, I, I hope that he does have a rotation spot next year, although maybe not because that's going to tempt me to take another chance because I just can't help myself. i got to have my team with some Brett Anderson because uh, I, I can't get rid of him. I don't know what it is. Uh, how about Clay Buckholt? He's been quite the enigma this year with his injuries. I mean, obviously he started the season when he was healthy in fantastic form, a 171 ERA in 12 games over 84 and a third innings. And he hasn't pitched in a while, shoulder issues, neck issues. Uh, who knows when he's going to be back? What's going on here? Because he hasn't ever thrown more than 189 innings. Only He's only thrown over 100 innings twice with the Red Sox. So, I mean, there's a, a bit, bit of a stamina issue going on. Yeah, and they weren't – it wasn't like it was over –
0: he never broke 130. I mean, one was 120, and I think they went 129. And, um, yeah, I don't know what the Red Sox can do with him. I kind of just think he's just not able to throw a full season. And I think, I don't know if the Red Sox, or he needs, to, someone needs to kind of accept that, that it's just like, well, we'll throw as far as we can, and then we're going to get hurt. And that's just how it's going to be. But um, even if he comes back right now, the current reports on his velocity are just way down. Um, That he's looking at like mid eighties on his fastball and his rehab starts, which is when he was averaging like 92 when he left, just um, I think
1: he's going to come back. It's just not looking good when he comes back. Um, did not that velocity being down so much suggest something more significant in terms of an injury to his shoulder? I mean, he hasn't had surgery. I, I don't even remember what the exact extent of his injury. It just sounded like a, you know maybe a shoulder strain or something. But it sounds like it could be more significant than that, and maybe you bring him back for some more tests to see if there's something more wrong than they initially thought. I agree. I think I've
0: found with pitchers and. I should probably do a study on it that the ones shouldn't be coming back like him that it's like, oh, it's a bigger issue are the ones in the playoff chase. It's like they want to get out there. They want to still be pitching their their team needs them. Then um, it just seems like they try to hang around. They just try to deal with it. I think Matt Kemp is one that should be shut down, but he's wanting, you know, the Dodgers. Seem like they want to need him. Matt Kemp wants to be part of the team. His season just may be done. I think Clay's the same way, that he just needs – he really is wanting to come back or he probably should just shut it down for the season.
1: Speaking of Matt Kemp, do you think that in fantasy drafts next year he's going to be a bargain or do you think that the shoulder injury is really going to sap him of his power and he's really never going to be the same, kind of like Adrian Gonzalez has not – ever really regained that power that he once had before his shoulder surgery. If this,
0: if he doesn't play another game, Matt Kemp, I think he may become undervalued. I think if he happens to play and puts up any kind of production during the off season, I think people will overvalue him. I, um, it's just, if he cannot help the Dodgers, into a long playoff run, if they make it to the World Series, you know, end up playing over the next two months and he can't get into a game, I I, I don't think people will value him very high at all. If he somehow happens to get in and shows any kind of production, people will be like, he's back and he'll be completely overvalued.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. But how concerned are you next year about his power? I mean, what are the chances that he returns to being a, a 25 to 30 home run guy?
0: I think there's a chance if he can stay on the field. He, he's one that I'm definitely would, I would stay away from. I think he's going to be overvalued. I'm going to get a, there's going to be players. He has the chance of putting up a great MVP season. He's been on the field when healthy and done it. But then there's other players that you know what you're going to get. And there's no need to take a chance in the first five rounds, which I see him going in and just get someone like since who chew where you know what you're getting. He's done the same thing for the last five years. You're going to get your, you know, 20 home runs and your 15 RBIs and not have to deal with the Matt Kemp mess.
1: All right. What about Johnny Cueto? Because he keeps on getting DL'd for basically the same issue, keeps injuring his lat. And uh, I think the speculation is it's due to his weird windup. Do you think maybe he realizes it and they change up his, Pitching mechanics, just to, to save him, so to get him back on a 180, eating pace next year? He
0: he has even stated that that's probably his problem, and he wasn't going to change it this season. Um, I had looked at it in an article a few months ago on him here at Fangraphs, and um, he was going to try... From, from that article, and I haven't really looked into it since then, is he... I was almost positive that's the problem if it continued on he was going to look at changing his windup so it's probably something we'll have to look at in the spring is what does his actual windup look like has he changed it um if he has then there might be a good chance of him being a um better pitcher but or a healthier pitcher but then there's that effective speed but other changes are happening because of it because his windup's kind of deceptive in the, in his wide turn. I think I can see it throwing some hitters off a little bit. So it's kind of like if he changes it, is he going to be the same pitcher quality wise, or if he doesn't change it, he probably is not gonna be able to stay healthy.
1: Yeah. And this is something similar to what happened to Tommy Hansen, where he had that shoulder issue. He had to change his delivery. So there wouldn't be as much stress on his shoulder and that completely destroyed his effectiveness. His velocity was down, and he just wasn't the same pitcher, and he hasn't been since. And so you always get concerned when a pitcher toys with his delivery and is suddenly doing something that he hadn't been doing before. And and so he's going to be a big question mark next year, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think he – I think it's worth a try because he needs to make it the full season for the Reds. The Reds have got a decent team that are – Looks like chance they may not. I mean, they're in the contention this year to make the playoffs. He wasn't able to pitch in the playoffs last year because of it. I, I think it's worth a chance for him to try. You know, you just have to have him throwing at, at his capacity to for the Reds to be in contention in, in the
1: postseason. All right, let's finish things off with some metrics from BaseballHeatMaps.com. And uh, I think it's been a little while since we've gotten any update on age percentage, and that's something that you and Bill Petty had been working on. Any further progress on using edge percentage that you can share with us? Um, Bill has done some of the better
0: work here recently, and I think his big improvement in which probably for people in like daily leagues could find out is some umpires really call the edge and some don't so if you have a pitcher that's able to you know works the edges and they're up with a nice umpire that calls it it can really make a huge difference i looked at some of them when he first came out and looked that night like all right here's a pitcher that you know can throw to the edge has good control and he's got a pitch an umpire that calls it it's it's kind of a nice dominating factor um but no, Bill's done probably the best work on it. I've kind of been working with hurt and pain. And sadly, during the baseball season, is when I have the least amount of time to work on baseball, it seems like, because
1: my kids are home for the summer from school. What are you going to do with the kids? Always getting in your way when you're trying to do such important work for us. Um,
0: <laughs> try to find a movie, but no, I... I, I love having him here. It's just one of those um, – just uh, difference in time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean that was very interesting what you were talking about with edge percentage and the umpires because it's amazing how much of a difference it actually does make. I mean obviously I'm watching baseball every day with the extra innings package and there's been so many times where they'll show K-Zone and a pitch that gets called a ball and you'll see with K-Zone that it's on the corner. And it it was an actual strike and another umpire may have called it a strike and that could completely change the outcome of an at-bat. That could have been a strikeout or I could have put the batter in a, an 0-2 hole, but instead it just completely changes things. And, and that can really go a long way into determining what kind of an outing your pitcher has. So I think that's very useful for, at the very least, daily fantasy like Draft uh, Street or, or FanDuel and, and maybe coming up with uh, daily projections.
0: Yes, and And it's another one you can look at if you have some couple borderline pitchers that you're trying to make the decision on. It's like, well, do I go with so-and-so, you know, in this game and it's kind of iffy. And then you can kind of look around to see if the umpire's got a big or a small strike zone and then make that decision there, especially here toward the end of the season when people might be hitting innings limits in some leagues, it's like, well, I've only got like four starts left or, you know, approximately. And it's like, well, maybe I'll, Use, um, go with this pitcher because of this umpire and just kind of keep an eye on those umpires that are um, a little more pitcher-friendly.
1: Perhaps my favorite data on your website, as uh, I'm sure the listeners won't be surprised about, is the batted ball distance. And I've written tons of articles utilizing that data. Um, in the preseason, Chad Young and I worked with you to get a lot of this together, and we tried... Coming up with a metric to predict home run per fly ball ratio, uh, we got pretty far, but unfortunately we fell a bit short because I feel like we're missing other factors that uh, basically will contribute to a home run that we just couldn't account for. And so, what I'm curious is do you get the data for the distance of every single batted ball and then? maybe we can calculate a standard deviation of a hitter's fly balls and home runs. I, I can get each individual one. Um,
0: it's a little uh, trigonometry. It's if you go to a place like um Texas leaguers where they go ahead and plot it or even the MLB it's from the MLB um, game day, wherever that little dot is ends up there. It has an X, Y coordinate and that's how they normally plot it and, What I had to do is figure out where the home base was and actually use some trigonometry, and got, um, the distance of each one of those. So you, you can get each individual one. And, um, to um, tell you the truth, I've actually got a formula I've been sitting on for a while. I've, um, needed to update the website again. I need something I can do this. Um, since the school year started and the kiddos are out of the house (laughs) is, um, looking at each one where, um, You'll, you can take the distance of each home run and given it's the chances or each fly ball and the chances of it being a home run. Is it is the home run in uh, some places, a you know, a 330-foot home run in the corner can be a home run in some places and not in others, and it, more of a percentage chance of each fly ball becoming a home run. And my plan
1: is to actually post, like, an expected home run percentage on the website. Yes. I'm gonna be counting down the days until that happens, and I'm gonna be bugging you every day until it does. Um, the one that you probably have to actually bug is my brother. He's kind of got the code,
0: the code for it. I could go dig into it, but he promises me he'll add it soon, and I'll let you know. There's there's a chance it could be real this weekend. I'm actually seeing
1: him, so we'll we'll see if it actually happens or not. So that's exciting stuff. I mean, because the thing is that you would think that the higher the standard deviation of a hitters fly balls and home runs, the more home runs they're going to hit, the higher the home run per fly ball. Because if you think about it, if a hitter, two hitters average 300 feet, but one of them, every single ball that they hit is exactly 300 feet, while the other, every two balls is 400 feet and 200 feet. The player with everything going 300 feet is not going to hit any home runs, but the one hitting a 400, 200, 400, 200, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And you don't get that if you're just solely looking at the average distance. And that's something that we initially didn't think of. And it was probably brought up in the comments until we realized, but it's not something that we really had access to to be able to incorporate. And I think that would really uh, increase the correlation with home run per fly ball. And also we can determine if that is a skill as well and repeatable in future years.
0: Yeah. And, and um, it was definitely, um, been since i created it was one of those deals where when i initially looked at it it was with um, jose batista like what did he change and it was you know happened a few years ago when he came on the scene it's like what is he hitting it further and with him it was more of pulling the ball he was really hitting it just as far he just started pulling it but then you'll hear where so-and-so is hitting the ball further or like chris davis is crushing the competition this year just like 40 feet more than or 20 than even miguel cabrera is on his fly balls but it it gives people at least some data points to kind of agree with it. It's like, oh, is he getting really lucky? Most people I know have to use um, uh, hit tracker, the ESPN. Yeah, ESPN home run tracker. Home run tracker, and it's just like, oh, they have some barely's, and you don't get like there's other ones that were almost barely home runs. I wish there was like warning track outs they would keep track of. I mean, they only keep track of the home runs, and um, it just kind of gave us gave myself another data point to use. And, um, one other one that I've, um, been looking at, which correlates really nice to ISO is that i want to get the batted ball distance on all balls. And, um, it's a, like I said, it correlates really nicely to ISO because if they hit, it kind of looks at like the ground balls. Are they hard hit? Do they get through the infield? And, um, it kind of gets a difference like oh they make it to the outfield or most of their ground balls not making it out of the outfield they're really short and it, look at the line drives that get to the fence vice ones that you know kind of get lined and they're able to field them so that's another one i plan on adding here soon it's just a total batted ball distance across the board and instead of looking at like a home run rate it'll kind of correlate more to iso not totally relevant to fantasy but some places you know um, some um I'm going to say like linear weights type leagues, it'd be more useful with.
1: Yeah. And it'll just help with projecting baseball players to begin with. And that's always interesting to look at anytime we can get some expected metrics. I'm interested.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll have to run some correlation with it and so forth. A lot of times it's getting it added and, um, Almost seems a lot of times harder. It's like I've got to go dig out the code and figure out what I did, you know, a year and a half ago, and almost takes me just as long to relearn what I had done before.
1: All right. Well, of course, I'm looking forward to it. All of the new metrics that are coming out, and all the improvements that I know you'll be making as well. So, everybody, check out Jeff's site, baseballheatmaps.com. There are lots of toys to check in on and play with, and you probably will end up being on the computer the rest of the night checking everything out. So that's a wrap. Join us again on Thursday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Jeff Zimmerman, i uh, Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.